Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Welcome listeners to episode number 47 of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Today we spoke to Jer Slattery, coach and player for Young Munster Rugby Football Club of the Ulster Bank League, Ireland Club 15 International, former Munster Rugby senior player and teacher in St. Munchen's Limerick, Ireland. In this episode, Jer sheds light on the challenges he faces from being a player to a coach with the same club and how important man management is for his success. Jer talks about mentors and the importance of having close people that challenge your thought process with conviction. The role of captaincy and the nuances and qualities of leadership are discussed, as well as injuries in rugby, such as concussion. An interesting point made by Jur was when he said, one has to sometimes put yourself in positions where you could make mistakes and take risks even, but with the hope and expectation that come the end of the year, the success from taking those calculated risks outweigh the negative consequences. There was so much to take away from this episode, from key themes such as mindset, humility, work ethic, and leadership. If you'd like more information on this episode or any of our others, check out our website at www.sleepeatperformrepeat.com. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. But most importantly, listen and enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleep Beat Performer Peace. Today we are speaking to Jer Slattery, who David uh, knows well, so I'll hand over to David there for the intro. Yeah, Jer Slattery is, I suppose, a man of many things. He's a father, a husband, teacher, coach, rugby player, but most important of all, he's a Limerick man. And that's the main reason we wanted you on today, Jer. Obviously, you've been capped by Munster, Ireland at various different levels. You've been a captain of Young Munster in the Ulster Bank League. And and you're currently teaching in St. Munchens in Limerick. So there's a, there's a lot of different aspects and avenues we're going to try to tap in today as to what high performance means to you, Jar. So how's everything? What's, what's life for you like these sort of days? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And um, fair play to you and what you're doing. You're doing good stuff. And... Um, we would like to be on uh, life for me has changed as you mentioned becoming, becoming a dad uh, as you know everything, things change you know um, so I'm actually off tomorrow on summer holidays the, the joy of being a teacher um, but it's busier there's less golf and, and more, more parenting this year <laughs> yeah. definitely a lot more parenting I'd imagine what, what age is the little fella now? he's nine months yeah nine months so he's just back in Calling away now, and he's starting to stand up. So I'm sure he'll get he'll get busier as the next month go on. And and can he throw a rugby ball well? Can he? Yeah, he can. He can throw to two and four. He's not thrown to the tail yet, but <laughs> I think another couple of months he'll do that. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be there throwing darts like yourself in flat. Please God, please God. Good man. So Jared, I'm gonna 
start off with a couple of coaching questions for you, if that's okay. So you obviously played at a very high level and you're now coaching at a very high level. What's the the biggest challenge you found from going from, you know, being one of the lads, being a teammate to now coaching? I don't know if you're coaching any players you played with, but if not, you're now coaching these young men and trying to shape them basically physically, psychologically, tactically. What are the, the biggest kind of challenges you faced as you made that transition? Yeah, look, I think, I think you mentioned it there straight away. You know, separating yourself from the player, the teammate, the friend, to becoming now the coach, you know, and there will be quite a few guys that I've played with over the last couple of years. And last year I had to become their coach. And, you know, it's, I suppose the hardest part is the man management side of it, where you might have to pick up the phone to a good friend of yours and tell him he's not playing the weekend and give him the reasons why. And he'd usually be a guy you might, you might go for a drink with at the weekend. And now there wouldn't be tension there, but, like, you know, you can be sure he wants to be in the team. And he probably holds me slightly responsible for not doing anything. So that side of the was definitely, definitely awkward. Um, and it took a bit of getting used to. But I tried my best to kind of separate little friendships. And I definitely was mixing less socially with the lads. So, you know, nights out where, obviously, if we had a big win or whatever, I, I'd go along. But I tried to avoid, avoid it as much as I can, just putting myself in those situations outside of rugby with the lads, you know. But... sort of lessons you'd have to maybe a, a younger rugby player so if a younger young monster player coming through the system is there any advice or tips you could give that young player as he's 17 or 18 on the cusp of making it into the seniors speak to is that all these people who are performing at a high level in sport whether it's coaches or players they all have a mentor or they all have a coach that they go to for advice 
Um, yeah. Do you have do you have someone you turn to because obviously you're new into your coaching career? Do you have someone you turn to to go? Uh, what do you think, or how should I run this, or how should I set up that session, or is it all kind of intuition based? Um, well, with, with the coaching side of it, um, uh, one of the guys that I would have worked very closely with would have been John Broderick. Um, so I worked with John so much in college. He's above in, in, in Belvedere School now in Dublin. But he was my coach for years. Um, I would have seen him as, as a kind of a mentor, particularly from my my younger um, playing days, you know. Um, but now it would usually just be maybe sit down, talk to my dad about things, any big decisions he made. Um, it would be it would be talking to my dad at home, or I would pick up the phone to the likes of John Broderick, see what he thinks if there was a fairly big decision to be made, you know. Um, but yeah, I think having a mentor is definitely, uh, definitely a good thing to do because, you know, it's important though, you know, when you hear a great having a you don't want them to be telling you what you want to hear. Yeah. You know, you, you have to have someone who is going to challenge you. Um, and John Broderick was definitely one for me who would challenge me on certain things. You know, if I rang him saying, I want to do this. He definitely would challenge that and, and try to get to the bottom of why it would be the right thing to do, as opposed to just agreeing with you and going along with you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared, talk to us a little bit about um, what it's like transitioning from playing mode in, in rugby to then also, you know, having, not this week because you're on holidays, but going into school and and having to teach, you know, working in munchens. What, what's that whole dynamic like from going from playing, coaching, but actually now I'm in school teaching people? How does that work? Yeah, um, well, for me, it was, I found it easy enough because rugby has been in my whole life. Like, I, I started playing rugby at the age of six, and I haven't I haven't stepped outside of rugby since, you know. So, yeah. the lar- obviously, a large chunk of my life has been rugby. Um, the teaching side of it, you know, being in St. Much's College, rugby is, is, is surround, it surrounds you within there, you know. So, you might be going in teaching a class, but the first thing when you walk in on a Monday, you walk into the classroom and there could be a kid there 15 years of age and he'll have a slag off you because you want to last weekend, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so as much as look, you do separate and you, you do your job or whatever, but definitely rugby plays a big part within the school. Um, you know, those conversations going on, you know, in the corridors between classes, start of classes, and then you're training after school. So rugby is a big part, but... I think it's get the balance right, you know, and I think even for the students getting the balance right, I think it's it's healthy to have um obviously rugby in your life if you can, what it can give you socially, you know, with with your mates is fantastic. But also then in terms of academic life, you know, I think there's definitely a bit of support there for those lads as well. I talk about things like culture in rugby, Jerem, like a lot of teams or sports organizations, you see they've got values and stuff like that plastered up on walls. Do you have kind of values that you try to instill in the lads in Munchens or, or with your young Munster players about how they should play the game or, or kind of how they should conduct themselves professionally yeah, and personally? Like, it's, it's, it's funny, it's funny you mention it because, um, look, I'll be honest, I wasn't a big believer in that kind of thing, but I, I think I've, I've changed my mindset in that now because... One, I think you have to move with the times, but also I think the biggest challenge in rugby as a player is that that mental strength, without a doubt. Like, we had a very poor record last year away from home. And I'm trying to put my finger on this as a coach, you know, I said, why, why is this happening? Why 
can we perform away from home? And to me, it just it just came back to the mentality, the mentality of the group of being out of your comfort zone, um, not being able to get out of bed at your own time, eating the place you usually eat on your way to your home game. You know, all of a sudden now you've got to be on a bus, you have a different hotel, and it might sound like small things, but these are the kind of things that control guys these days. So I think what we'll be looking to do in a meeting last night was have that checklist um, and maybe get it on the wall in our dressing room or, or get it in our game plan when we get it set out to us on a Thursday night or Friday that it's something that the players can be going over uh, to ensure that we're mentally right. Okay, we might win every way again, but if we, if we go through the process and apply ourselves, then we're going to give ourselves a chance, you know? Yeah. We're speaking to a lot of um, guys actually in America in the last few weeks and some of them have been involved in the military. And uh, one of the things they always talk about is just how important how important mindset is to them. Uh, and a lot of teams um, have taken this idea from them that, you know, like every game is an away game. They only play away games. So it just yes. kind of highlights how crucial it is to have this kind of mindset, um, you know, like right and, and the importance of it. So you're definitely onto, on, on the money with that anyway. Because, yeah, like we were even talking as coaches last night, and when we plan pre-season friendlies, you know, we usually say, oh, it'd be great if they could travel to us. Whereas this year we're going to say, we're going to offer, we'll travel to E. Mm-hmm. And the, fur- the further, the better. So we said to the lads, we're getting on a bus, lads, we're, we're three hours away, we have a friendly away from home. Yeah. And we're trying to mirror that, you know, that challenge of going away and getting them and having a few we're hoping it'll work, so you know we'll find out. But I think I think by just putting the emphasis on it alone, it, it's bound to help. Yeah, making the uncomfortable comfortable. Yeah, sure. You were a leader in your team, right? A humble leader, okay? Let's let's put it that way, but a, but a captain nonetheless, and as part of the pack, you know, a lot of people would have looked to you in games when you mightn't been doing so well. Tell us about. How it how a team or or management can go about selecting a captain? We see a lot of teams when, even in in soccer, you know, should he be a captain? Should someone like Paul Pogba be a captain? And and we've seen similar sort of instances even the Irish rugby team are sometimes just questions as to certain individuals should they be are they fit to be a captain or are they just there because they're always going to be selected? What are your thoughts on kind of captaincy role for for a team that you be in charge of? Yeah, like I think it's something that should be natural to someone. Um, now, it doesn't mean a guy that's not comfortable doing it can't mold into a good captain. He can. Um, but he'd probably have to go through a year or two of, of struggling um, to find out what's the best way to take. You know, I often find, particularly young lads, you give them the captaincy and all of a sudden now they've, they've got to be roaring and shouting, they've got to be on this. Really, you, just, you want them to be themselves, you're selecting them because they're the right guy. Um, and it doesn't always have to be, you know, by, by verbally communicating. It can be going making a big tackle at a time when, you know, your team really needed it. Um, but like you see, you mentioned Paul Bobbitt there. Like, to me, uh, look, we don't know what goes on. But to me, he would be seen as a guy who's out for himself. And yeah. I think that, that can't be your captain, your leader. Because, you know, the leader's got to be whatever, whatever. Game. Just having that 
composure at times, but I suppose when others around you are getting flustered and, you know, you have a decision to make, do we take three points here or do we go out the corner? And I think having that feeling within as well to say, right, you know what, we're going to score here, let's back ourselves. That's something that you can feel when you're on the field, you know, and I'd often guess, you know, comments after games, but why did you go to the corner there? I know you scored, but why, why didn't you take three points? And I was, mm. like, well, I was in the, on the field and I was like, I felt we want to score. And that's why I did. And look, sometimes you won't. And that's, you know, trying to get the, the judgment on that right, you know? Yeah. Okay. So we, we've touched on a bit here, Ger, about kind of the the traits that are needed for, say, an individual to be a captain or for, say, things like mindset and mentality, how important they are as a team. But what would you say that you've identified over your career, both as a player and now as a coach, as the things that you don't want in a team environment, the things that are maybe a bit more corrosive to performance? Yeah, look, there's, 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 there's a lot of different personalities. Right, these days, particularly with young lads. Um, and at the start, I would have been very much, you have to be this way. If you're not this way, you're not focused. Mm. But I suppose it was, it was adapting and realising that, okay, on the, way, on the way to a game, on a bus, you know, that last 10 minutes when you're on your way to the ground, I would like silence, personally, and be thinking about my job. But then you've got a two lads to back laughing and joking, which still frustrates me. But I'm saying, you know, is that their way of preparing? And if you if you perform, fine, you can laugh and joke. But then you lose and don't perform, you're saying, well, they were laughing and joking on the bus. Yeah. You know, so I was trying to get that balance right. Look, particularly, it's hard in our environment where a lot of lads want to kick on and want to play a monster. So, look, you want them to have those goals. But as a coach and as a captain, I want to win an AIL. Yeah. You know, and it's getting that balance right that you have to have 15 guys, 20 guys on a match day that will do anything just to win the AIL. Um, the concern would be when you have two, three, four guys maybe even, that their goal is perform for themselves to become a professional rugby player or maybe get a a good YouTube clip, you know. <laughs> That's that would be a concern for me. So I'd be looking to get guys all on the same page, willing to do whatever they need to do, um, to win on a Saturday for the club as opposed to for yourself, you know. And I understand I understand that young guys wanna be professional and they have to look after themselves. But you know, once they buy into the club thing that's that's the most important thing to me, and it's, it's selfish um, for me as well. But at the end of the day, my goal is the monsters, and my goal is is the all Ireland league. So we've got to be a bit selfish that way too, you know. Okay, Ger. We actually haven't touched on this through many of our um, interviews yet, but I wanted to tap into it a little bit with yourself about injury history and and maybe what you've experienced in rugby, which especially people across in the US will be familiar with but might understand just the sheer brutality and aggression and trauma that goes through the body that's inflicted in that game of rugby so just talk to us a little bit about maybe some major injuries you've had or things you've learned that you'd you'd maybe want to watch out for little baby jerry going forward you know yeah look, it's, the, the first one that comes to mind is the concussion you know it's it's, it's the most talked about at the moment um 
I've had a couple myself, to be honest, and definitely thinking back seven, eight years ago, you know, it wasn't it wasn't right. Like the procedures weren't there, and I, I you know, I, I definitely think of times when I probably was slightly concussed, but played the following week. Um, that that wouldn't happen now, you know. So, like, I, I was out for four weeks with a concussion last year because I just just didn't feel right and I, I knew myself it wasn't right to go back so that would definitely be the one I'd be watching out for um, in terms of other injuries I've been very lucky thank God that and it was not in major I think I was out for three months with a PCL injury um, that was about the biggest one I had um, but other than that I've been very lucky but it's funny you know last year we were having a conversation that the physio room before a rugby game is is busier than dressing room, like you know, yeah. everybody is getting strapped and getting bits done. And we were having a conversation saying, from about October, November time, you rarely play a game without some sort of a knock for yeah. the rest of the year. You know, yeah. there's always a niggle, there's always something a bit tight. I think that's just the nature of the game. You know, it's a seven-day turnaround from a game where it can be very, very physical, and there can be up to you know, particularly for a forward to say, you know, the soreness on a Sunday, you know, and it could be anything up to 15 scrums, yeah. um, particularly for front rows, and just that soreness and trying to get in the gym again on Monday, you know, it can be tough. It can be tough. You know, you, you go in with great intentions and then you go to lift and you're not, you're not quite there. So all of a sudden that, that could end up in a, a recovery day or a rest day and then Tuesday you're back on the pitch. So I definitely think the club side of it, it doesn't allow you to to rehab or prehab as much as you'd like, you know, particularly with lads who are, as you say, going to work on a Monday um, and then they've got training Tuesday night and you can't get to the gym as much, you know, so definitely take, takes its toll on the body. But I've been lucky enough that, as I said, the longest one was a three-month three month injury, which in a bigger scale, I think, doing a lot, you know. Yeah. So, Ger, what's your definition of, of high performance? I know we've touched on it a bit throughout the interview, but how would you define a high-performing athlete, high-performing co-performance coach, high-performance sport in general? Yeah, look, it's, it's, there's all different levels, isn't there? Um, from my own side of it, I, I've been lucky enough to experience both the pro game and the amateur game. And, like, the, big, the big difference when you say high-performance is that's Monday to Friday. You know, it all builds up to the game on Saturday, but just the sheer load and a and a week in a professional setup is just just a lot different, you know. But your body adapts to then and gets used to it. But I think the most important thing, um, and I'd always say to young lads these days, is performing on Saturday. Like that is the be all and all. You want lads to train hard, of course you do, but there's no point, you know, impressing so much on a Tuesday or Thursday night that you can't perform on Saturday. To me, it all comes back to performance on match day. You know, that's the biggest thing that young lads need to need to strive for, you know, because that's where you get noticed and that's where the real, the real guys will kick on, you know. You know, I'm sure if you look at it, like sort of their own Lagares, these guys, they might have stood over a whole lot in the gym. But it was the guy you wanted on Saturday on your team, you know. Yeah. Now, here we go with another question for you, Jer. Say you're... You're down by two points, 79 minutes. You, you have kicked it in. You're going for a line-out, 
couple of meters out and you have the ball and you're throwing it in and, and you miss, all right? And they rob the ball and they end up winning the game, hypothetically. How, how do you set yourself and get yourself back and recover from that? How do you regain your, your mental edge, your mindset after maybe doing something on the field of play that wasn't planned? for me on this one Ger, what are the big three things in your, in your life at the moment that you're focusing on or kind of that sum you up as a coach a person father etc yeah and no, number one anyway is, is parents as have said Very, very talented players and in the AIL as well. Um, what traits or habits do you see that kind of separate the best players from the rest? Um, again, I go back to the mindset. You know, there's been some very, very talented colleagues around the down through the years who haven't met it, and they might have had more talent than the guys who have. You know, you see the likes of the likes of Arzi, like obviously would would have a very good blend of both. Um, good mentality, but obviously the talent is is huge there, you know. Um, but just a guy like Paul O'Connell who would have said himself that he wasn't necessarily the most skillful guy, but his, his mindset was probably the strongest strongest you'd come across, you know. Um, and his work ethic as well. He's, the work ethic is, is a big one. You know, talent is one thing, but if you don't put in the work, you know, you you won't make it. I think that's that's been evident down through the years. And you'll talk to that. Uh, to lads around town and we'll discuss it and I think that 
reason why they didn't, you know. Yeah. Ger, before before we wrap up and I'll conclude, I have two two kind of quick fire questions I'd like to ask you that we might well ask other rugby guys to come on. Who for you is the best captain that maybe you've that you've been with or that you've looked to and said, ah, he's a fine captain, I'd like to play with him over the last fifteen years? Oh. Richie McCall come to mind straight away, obviously I think incredible looked like I don't have don't know the guy, but looks like a very humble guy. Would lead by example. Um, I wouldn't imagine he'd be a huge talker, but just seems like one of those guys that when you go on the field, you would definitely follow. You know, um, another guy that I always admire, particularly the captain, was Pan Omega. Mm. He was, I just again just a guy that you'd, you'd go to war with. You know, um, and I think that's the most important thing when a captain is giving advice or speaking with certain things. A guy that's willing to do it himself is always, is always good, you know. Okay, now here, the the IRB, right, have, have completely changed the, the rules of rugby today. Instead of 15 men on the pitch, there's three players, right? It's not sevens, it's three. You can pick one forward, one nine or ten, and one back. Who make your three on the pitch? They can be recently retired or still playing. Who makes your three? Of course you can. I'd have picked you. So you're, okay. you're the forward. Yeah, I'm the hooker, yeah, yeah. We have to have a chore. Um, myself. I'm going to go with a 10. Yeah, all right. Ron Nagara. Go for Raj. All right, good man. Stick, yeah. stick with Munster, I like it. Stick with Munster. And then bit of a left wheeler. I'm going to say Kidders as one, but I'm going to try to make a guy called Dermot McCarthy. Dear man. May or may not know. He was a uh, school's cup winner with Catholic Troy in 2008. Um, and he played a year with me and the Monsters, uh, maybe 2015 around that time. And he was exceptional. Okay. So it's Jer Slash, Raj, and Darren McCarthy. Slash Keith Harris. Slash Keith Harris. <laughs> McCarthy, McCarthy would come on for Keith. <laughs> You're the captain. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, we know the forwards in the games. Um, yeah. Jer, exactly. uh, Connor, myself, thanks very much for coming on today. We really enjoyed it. Thanks for giving us the time. I know you're a busy guy, family, building your garden in the back house. We've learned a lot from today and, and appreciate you yeah. giving us the time, man. Great stuff. No bother. Keep it up. Well done. Chat to you soon. Thanks, Take care, sir. pal.